0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's July 20th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by Jonathan Last and Michael Warren of the Weekly Standard. Happy Friday, gentlemen. Hey, Charlie. Happy Friday. Well, I'm glad you're happy. Okay, let's just start off with the breaking news, because, of course, it is Friday, which means we have to have something like this. Headline in the New York Times, Michael Cohen secretly taped Trump discussing payment to Playboy model— Wow. Um, Michael Cohen secretly recorded a conversation with Trump two months before the presidential election in which they discussed payments to a former Playboy model who said she had an affair with Mr. Trump, according to lawyers and others familiar with the recording. This is not Stormy Daniels. This is Karen McDougal. So uh, again th- this feels like every, every Friday for the last year and a half we've had we've had one thing and this is the Friday thing Michael Warren put this in context Well this is it's a good example of how there's such a long lead time
1: on these things so we knew that Michael Cohen um, had recordings of conversations in his office. Um, so now we're just sort of getting information about the specifics of those recordings. We So now we know about one of them, right? We know about this conversation. And I think what it tells us, the upshot of all this, is that... Um, whether or not it doesn't tell us anything. First of all, it doesn't tell us what's actually on the recording. We just know that the recording exists and that the feds have it and they're looking at it.
0: And we should point out that Rudy Giuliani is claiming that it's exculpatory, that it's a short conversation, that it demonstrates that the president did nothing wrong. He didn't have any knowledge of it in advance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but we don't know.
1: That's right. And, and the, the, he sort of characterizes it as, as sort of suggesting that, uh, he didn't know really what this was about, but this was a sort of, uh, almost a, a technical or clinical, okay, well, wh- let's pay and check. So we have a record of it. Um, so that's, that's the kind of the, the, the push from the, the Trump side of things. But I, th- I think the upshot of this is that, uh, there, there are two, um, is that Michael Cohen has, uh, has the potential to have a lot of, have a lot of dirt, have a lot of stuff, um, and have recordings of it. And that I mean, the, the, the possibilities there are endless. And two, it, it just underscores something we already know just from the public record, which is that Trump and Trump's team lies. They lie about things and they lied about this. Um, they lied because we know that uh, when the journal reported this last year, that there was this payment uh, that Cohen made um, uh, actually they, they, I'm sorry, they reported on it before the uh, the election, not last year. I'm keeping my ears uh, mm-hmm. wrong here. Then the Trump campaign said, we have no knowledge of any of this. So we have the Trump campaign saying we had no knowledge of this payment. And now we have a recording... Uh, claiming to be from two months before the election of Trump essentially saying, yes, make sure that it's it's written out in check. So whether or not this has any sort of thing that will bring down the presidency or whatever, it it, it, it is it is uh, revealing of just the way that that Trump sort of almost casually and the people around him casually lie about these things.
0: Yeah. Just to remind people this this is the this is the story. Karen McDougal was one of those uh, catch and kill stories involving National Enquirer, the National Enquirer paid her for her story and then apparently sat on it. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. Uh, so, you know, uh, Jonathan, you and I have been going back and forth all morning on trying to make sense of Russia week, this extraordinary week. And, you know, I... I don't know how many times we've said this when you get to Friday, realizing that this all happened one week, you know, a, a week ago <laughs> we were talking about Brett Kavanaugh Brett and how Cavanaugh. that was the big game. Like, wow, doesn't that seem like a different lifetime ago? Don't you feel like, you know, your kids were at a different generation or or, or something?
2: You feel so like you've he, already gone through a full session of Kavanaugh decisions
0: from the court, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> is, I feel like it, Yes, it's like, you know. I actually, I actually heard one of the cable TV hosts refer to him as John Kavanaugh. So it's sort of gotten to the point we've forgotten what his name, <laughs> what his name is. But, you know, at the end of this week, with all the spin, the walkbacks, all of, of this, there are some folks that think that Trump has successfully put out the fire. What, what, is, what is your take where we're at and whether anything at all changed as a result of the last, what, uh, the seven, eight days?
2: I, I don't think anything has changed. Uh, and I, I I suspect that we're going to see over the next five or six days polling that indicates that people really didn't like this. I think you're going to see some marginal erosion of his support among Republicans, just marginal and but but real erosion among independents. And I suspect his overall approval rating is probably going to dip back dip back down, which is, Not great news in the macro, because if you look around at the polling over the last two or three weeks, all of a sudden it looks like there's a wave again for the Democrats. So, you know, I I think the the Trump people had basically talked themselves into believing that they had broken the wave and that they were going to be fine in the midterms, not realizing that there was just a ton of time between now and and November. Uh, Secondly, I don't think there's anything uh, that he has to fear from this week Sort of existentially, because, again, by the time we get to any actual voting that matters, this will all be in the rearview mirror. And in fact, I suspect we will look back on this week with a quaint sort of do you remember when the only problem was uh, him, <laughs> like lying during a press conference and saying, that he you didn't
0: know, run. that's true. It sounds cynical, but, you know, that's true because yeah. we've done this every other time. You no, know, really, we will look back with
2: nostalgia on how how innocent and you know relatively harmless this incident was.
0: Remember Helsinki? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I I will I will confess that I had an unforgivably naive moment when I was thinking, well, you know, the Trump brand is all about being strong and he was weak. You know, he's all about America first and he throws America under the bus. You know, he was he ran saying, I will never apologize. And, and you know, he, he not only went on a what looked like an apology tour, it was this moral equivalency groveling tour that that, that was so counter to his brand that it might, it might sow some doubts, but of course, you know, silly me. And then of course we got the poll showing that 79% of Republican voters watched that and thought, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the way President Trump handled that press conference with Vladimir Putin. Well, can I say actually, Charlie, I think that indicates, um, without
1: doing too deep a dive in the poll, I do think that indicates something maybe a little counterintuitive, which is I think a lot of Republicans have tuned out. Um, they've tuned out of these things, and if the question is, because there was another poll, and I, I wish I could remember mm-hmm. who did it, there was another poll that actually asked the question of, did they pay attention, or did they did they watch, or or have an opinion on how President Trump did? Uh, and there was a big chunk of people who just said they had no opinion, um, and uh, and and a big chunk of Republicans as well. And I think that um, this this perhaps portends poorly for Republicans because. Because what you really do need is an an activated and a um, an, an active, a party and an active group of people going into the midterm. So um, the fact that uh, you sort of have a, a general sense of, um, you know, yeah, I think that the president did fine. If you dig a little deeper into some of the other numbers, it does
0: suggest that a lot of people have tuned out and so are sort of tribal. Fatigue. Are we, are we actually seeing some Trump fatigue? Is that what you're suggesting? Uh,
1: possibly, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe you couldn't find that uh, explicitly in the polling, um, but uh, but I, I I do think that that. This feeling that we've just been talking about, this onslaught of how it changes every single week and everything's, you know, for, if you're a Trump supporter, there's up weeks and there's down weeks and there's weeks where you don't really know how to how to think about things. And it's a lot easier, unless you're a real diehard, um, to just kind of tune it
0: out. And it's the summer and, um, you know, okay, there's probably a lot that, more that, fun you, things you, to do. This is an interesting point. Let me give you a, a slightly different take on all of this, that that the Trump folks are tuning out because they basically decided, look, we're in. This is our guy. You know, I'm not going to change my mind about this. I don't care what the media says about this. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be okay with anything he does. So it's not so much fatigue as it is, I am just locked in, and I'm going to tune out any of, you know, any of the criticism, any of the ups and downs, because I'm, I'm, I'm in for the long run
1: yeah but, but let me just add I, I think that that may be the diehards those sort of people who are who are really are uh, keyed in to to Donald Trump but I would I, I would say that the people that he actually needs to win the people who actually delivered him the presidency are like regular normal everyday Republicans who uh, just vote Republican in elections and I think that that I think that group of people uh, certainly feels more fatigue and but the, the the fatigue sort of goes away when you have a moment to rally around whether that's Brett Kavanaugh, whether that's you know Democratic extremism on immigration, um, so so I so that's where JVL was talking about this. You just never know like what the issue is going to be right before the election. There'll be so many other things to happen. That
0: that, that that is true. But of course, there are some real world things happening out there. The it, I, I can't believe we're actually talking about tariffs two days in a row. But there, there's there's more and more indication that there there are going to be real world consequences that are outside the news cycle as people begin to realize, wow. The president's about to impose uh, tariffs on cars, which will add $5,000 know, to the cost of the car that I wanted to buy. Uh, the, uh, the Europeans and the Japanese have decided to sign a trade deal that totally cuts the Americans out. You know, you're, you're seeing people paying attention to things like soybean prices. And, of course, you also have, and again, I don't think this will have an effect on the midterm, but this last week will have long-term effects on the global world order. Uh, you know, and again, we can't predict what that's going to be. But it's hard for me to remember a time when our allies had less trust in us or our enemies were less fearful of us than they are right now. I mean, the damage. Oh, you know, well, I, I remember, remember that time. OK, when
2: it was it was when Barack Obama was president. I mean, this is <laughs> this, no. But this is what's so destabilizing. You now have two consecutive administrations from different political parties where now this is true. You know, it used to be that the Republicans were the daddy party and the Democrats were the mommy party. And if you were an astute observer of America uh, and you were at one of our one of our adversaries or one of our I would say our global rivals, you would look and understand that there is a there's just going to be a fundamental difference between an administration staffed by George Bush people or Ronald Reagan people and between like the Jimmy Carter people and the Barack Obama people. And that's not true anymore. You know, I mean, now yeah. you have a an administration which has no. This is the thing that drives me crazy. I emailed this. You know, you know, when you and I were chit chatting this morning, um, Trump has this. Uh, there's this patina of look. I just tell you the truth, and I'll tell you the things about the world as it really is. Yeah, uh, you know, not not the way all these niceties that people want to pretend it is. And when it comes to foreign policy, that's exactly wrong. Right? Real real politique has always dictated that when you are the hyperpower, you Reward your friends and you punish your enemies and that that is the way you advance your own interests across the globe. Right. And Trump doesn't do that. He doesn't view the world through that lens. He views it as like through the lens of business where our adversaries are our clients and our allies are our suppliers and in in that context the idea is you try to appease your clients and you try to screw your your contractors because that's you know the art of being a <laughs> successful middleman and this is not the way that that foreign affairs actually works and this is not this is not the like you know anti-ideological real politique that he thinks he is trying to project to his people, and there are going to be real consequences to this down the line. Because it, here's how to, the way to think about this: I promise you that the next American administration is not going. or I'm sorry, the next Democratic administration, whenever that is, is not going to be uh, more hard-headed in the foreign policy realm than this administration has been. Right? They'll be, in fact, the opposite way. They'll mm. just keep moving to the left. And so now you can see, I mean, you will wind up having had something close to 20 years of American decline in foreign affairs between uh, the Obama administration and then either two terms of Trump or one term of Trump plus whatever the next term of the Democratic Party is. That's almost a full generation of American retreat on the world stage. And you have no idea how much headway our adversaries can make during that time.
0: That is that, that's hard to disagree with. No, you you make you make the point, and and by the way, I have I have a piece uh, of you know my my eleven takeaways from from this, and and I, I think w- one of the basic points of the last uh, week or week and a half is that uh, Donald Trump really can't distinguish between the friends and the foes, as you pointed out, uh, and 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 and, and, he, and his businessman's, you know, the cramped transactionalism, his absolute obsession with you know whether you've paid the bills and stuff. I, he's never going to get past that, and he's never going to get past his 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 fascination, his bromances with autocratic strongmen, which is, again, really I- extraordinary. And we also reminded once again, and, and this is something that is so obvious that I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding. Well, I, I, I get it. But he's a truly awful negotiator. I mean, this whole art of the deal stuff is a complete fraud. Um, and, and his decision to meet with Vladimir Putin one-on-one with no one else around may go down as one of the worst blunders in diplomatic history. And I don't know whether we will ever know how much damage was done or whether we will know for a very, very long time. Um, So the Dan Coates story is fascinating to me. The director of national intelligence who gave that remarkable interview yesterday to Andrea Mitchell out in in, in Aspen. Um, He, you know, at one point he was regarded as what they, as the Mr. Rogers of the United States Senate. And yet he's... He's acting like a guy with no more bleeps to give. You know, he has been sounding the alarm on the Russian threat saying the red lights are blinking. Uh, He made it clear that he had no idea what uh, Trump agreed to in this uh, one on one with Vladimir Putin. He did not know that Trump was inviting Vladimir Putin to Washington and said something like, well, that should be special. Any any sense of of, uh, and, and then The Washington Post is reporting a number of outlets are reporting that the White House is uh, extremely unhappy with uh, how outspoken he is. (laughs) Any sense of of what's – I mean, Dan Coats is acting like he's just gone rogue. Well, this is a perfect example, Charlie, of the way that
1: that the White House is angry at Dan Coats for the president saying in Helsinki in front of Vladimir Putin when asked uh, who he believes, Dan Coats or Vladimir Putin, on whether Russia interfered in 2016 – Trump says, I've heard from Dan Coats, I've heard from Vladimir Putin, uh, I don't know why it would be Russia. Essentially, throwing Coats under the bus. Wouldn't.
0: Wouldn't be Russia.
1: Right. No, that's what I meant to say, and I will issue a correction uh, tomorrow that will be even more confusing than what I originally said. Um, But... I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy who whose job it is is to say, "Mr. President, here's all the information. Here's all the intelligence we have. We've 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 collected it. Um, uh, here's the analysis, uh, and uh, and this is the truth. This is what your government uh, has to, has provided for you." And Trump just says, "Eh, yeah, go pound sand." And then and then uh, look, I mean, Coates is obviously working for the president. He ought to resign if he if he doesn't think right. he, anybody's listening to him. But then Coates sort of kind of throws up his hands and gives these kind of uh, interviews who says, look, I don't know what to do. I, I, I do the, do my best. And now the White House is mad at him. I mean, this is the sort of one way street. Uh, and I think that is um, there is a
0: bigger it's thing. Of, it's sort of a, a passive aggressive approach to resigning. Right. You're absolutely right. After what happened, the humiliation, the, the correct thing would would be for the director of national intelligence to say, OK, I obviously don't have the the the, the trust and the respect of the president. I am I am resigning. Instead, he gives these interviews. Right. So uh, <laughs> it's just the, it's the way it works.
1: It's a one way street with Trump. Um, he uh, he will always sort of be outraged when you don't treat him with the fealty that he f- fails to the, the loyalty that he fails to extend uh, to anybody uh, else who's working for him.
0: Uh, I'm looking at a press release from uh, Jeff Flake's office. Um, you know, Flake, uh, J- Jeff Flake, and Chris Coons, a Democrat of Delaware, um, had proposed a resolution reaffirming support for the U.S. intelligence community and to you know making it clear that uh, the the Russian needs to be held accountable for the attack. And they wanted this uh, to be approved unanimously, but apparently someone objected. I, I I'm just looking at the press release. Was 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 it uh, Rand Paul? We know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, That's uh, yeah. not a, not a bad guess.
0: Yeah. So they basically are saying that despite the lone objection, they're going to continue to push for the unanimous approval of the resolution. But you would think that that would be sort of the minimal thing that they could possibly do uh, on on this particular issue. But I, I don't see I don't see anything else um, among the, the the side stories, which I don't think is a side story. Um, and uh, the Weekly Standard has is an editorial about it uh, today. This bizarre report, not a report, I mean, it's been it's been confirmed, that Vladimir Putin suggests uh, turning over the former U.S. ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, and perhaps businessman Bill Browder, to turn them over to the Russians for interrogation. And Trump said it was a very interesting idea. Even Sarah Sanders uh, said that it was under consideration. The idea was so bad that the United States Senate actually did vote unanimously, 98 to 0. To say this was a terrible idea, now they're, they're acknowledging it as a terrible idea, but the fact that the president would even have entertained it for a moment, is this, I, thoughts, gentlemen? Because well, what I do just, you want? I do just you, can't. Do you want him to
2: start nuclear war with Russia? Because those are the only two options. <laughs> I, either either we think about turning Americans over for questioning to the Russians, or we go to war with them uh, using the strategic nuclear devices, right? I mean, yeah. this- <laughs> you
0: you 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 know that your defenses are, are are weak when when that's your comeback. Well, what do you want? You want us to nuke them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just- well, well, that just
2: it, you look. I mean, I suppose we should be happy that he didn't do it. Right? Well, he
0: was <laughs> he never was going just- to do it. It was never. You it know, was a non-starter.
1: I, was- I mean, the the State Department came out very quickly. Mike Pompeo. This was never going to happen. Um, and, and I think that this is a classic example of Putin um, just seeing what he can get away with, and get and get the president to bring up. But I think that is, in many ways, um, a, a big part of how how Putin is sort of damaging our our political system. Is he's essentially get, flattering uh, the, a, a president who likes him and likes uh, dictators to say things that, of course, the government's never going to do. But kind of, um, it's essentially a big trolling job. And I and I think McFall is uh, is right to be was right to be. Very concerned. It was good for the Senate uh, to uh, uh, to to say what it said. Um, uh, but but really it just shows you sort of how manipulative Putin can be and how able to be manipulatable I don't know if that's a word um uh, that, that that trump can be to sort of say whatever this guy really wants uh, and um, I'm, I'm just glad it's not actually going to happen
0: well, well and even even in put in rejecting the idea what did Sarah Sanders say that uh, well yes uh, Vladimir Putin sincerely proposed that, or you know this was a, a proposal that was you know that she characterized as a matter of sincerity. Vladimir Putin doesn't say things sincerely. Sincere is not a word you use for Vladimir Putin. He's, you know, again, he's he is playing on all of this. And unfortunately, Donald Trump's, uh, this commitment to moral equivalency, which is just extraordinary, and which we've become, we've become now used to all of this. Uh, Michael, you have a piece up. Uh, the White House wishes it could get Trump off of his Russia script. And this is a very, I think this was a valuable um A valuable exercise that you went back and uh, sort of cataloged all the things that the White House says that Trump uh, has said about the Russian uh, interference attack on uh, on the electoral process and what he has really said. So what do you mean? What are the the White House talk? What is the Trump talking point?
1: Well, this is a a, an actual, uh, I wouldn't say physical, a digital uh, product uh, that the White House communications staff uh, uh, let out. Um, And I think it's a good if you read the piece, I I make the argument that it's a good way to sort of observe, not actually learn what the White House's message is, because Trump always seems to override whatever the White House communications office thinks. But it's a uh, it's a good way of looking at how the White House tries to respond um to the ups and downs of where the president is and tries to massage and shape the message as best they can and w- when that message changes very frequently sometimes uh, across hours and so i uh, what what i found was that there's a, there was a moment right after the Helsinki press conference um, when uh, they didn't really think it, it was clear the White House didn't think it was that big of a deal. They sent these uh, these talking points uh, to Republicans on the hill and I got a copy of them uh, that essentially you know sort of it was boilerplate stuff about about what it was accomplished. And there was one line about the whole Russian meddling, Question. Well, a few hours later, it was it was very clear that Air Force One is coming back to the United States that uh, everybody in America, including a lot of Republicans on Capitol Hill, was they were freaking out about what about Trump's inability to say in front of Putin, uh, you know, that they that he meddled. Uh, And so there was a push then from the talking points to sort of say well look actually the president has said multiple times he believes it's russia that russia interfered that they interfered in the election and in fact here's four different examples of when he did it but of course if you actually go and, and it funny fox and friends uh the president's favorite show actually ran the full clips uh that were clearly drawn from these same talking points that the white house press office uh re- released um he actually trump actually says Yeah, it's 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 Russia. Russia, obviously, Russia meddled in the election, but it could be other people. And he actually consistently says this over over the last year and a half. He consistently says, and he said it again this week in his cleanup, uh, that it could be other people. Um, And I think that uh, just kind of shows you the uh, Sisyphean effort. I'll throw a little Greek in there. A Sisyphean effort by the White House staff to really keep up with their White House communications director, who also happens to be the president.
0: Uh, we need we need to talk about this because, of course, this is the debate that is consuming America the 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 real America that is not talking about uh, Helsinki, right? Uh, the real America that is not talking about the president's uh, foreign policies. Of course, I'm referring to uh, Bryce Harper winning the home run derby. Uh, and and and, JB, I want to give you a chance to weigh in on this, but uh, I, I want to read you before we get into this. Are you you going to take a deep breath here? Can okay. to get into this the the Bryce Harper controversy? You got it. I want to read you what the Washington Post says about this this morning. If Bryce Harper's bat-flipping, roar-causing, joy-prompting, hug-generating, goose-bumping, weight-removing walk-off win in Monday night's Home Run Derby was the coolest moment of this week's All-Star uh, Game festivities, and it was, well, it also prompted it prompted the stupidest debate of this week's All-Star Game festivities, whether Harper and his father cheated Kyle Schwarber out of a home run derby crown by shaving fractions of a second off the allotted pause between pitches in a contest that Harper won with more than 20 seconds to spare. Truly, this is the worst week of the year for sports debates. Of course, that's wrong. This is the best week. What else do we do? So your thoughts, Bryce Harper, you were not pumping your fist on this.
2: So I'm a Bryce Harper hater to begin with.
0: Uh, Let me step back for a moment. Get that, get that. We have to have that stipulation on the. On I'm the table.
2: a Washington sports <laughs> hater. Washington sports fans are just the worst. They're they're these bandwagon running Pollyanna thinking uh, softies who have no real allegiance to their teams and are only there when things are going sort of well and who refuse don't hold back.
0: Please don't hold back here, okay? to
2: yeah. ever ever allow that like things might not be good. Yeah, uh, this is this is a, a this is a city where when the Redskins are 4 and 10, people are constantly coming up with playoff scenarios. You know, like, well, you know, if we win out and everybody else who's in the lead loses out and then, you know, somebody else gets, uh, you know, Tom Brady gets his next snap, we could win the world. we could win the Super Bowl. You never know. So I start from all of this as a place of deep hatred of the (laughs) Washington sports fans who I find myself surrounded by every day. Uh, Bryce Harper is just terrible. He's in the, he's in the, he's in the all-star game purely on reputation. Uh, The guy is batting 218, 218. Max Scherzer, Washington's ace pitcher has a higher batting average than Harper does. Uh, Harper by on-base percentage uh, by a, OPS, which is uh, you know on base percentage plus slugging, he's twenty second in the National League. If you go by WAR, win over replacement, which is probably the best uh, of all these, he is one hundred ninth just in the National League. And yet the guy is sent to the all-star game based on nothing but reputation because and because he has really good hair.
0: And he wins the home run derby. I mean, set, come on set
2: within the home run derby. He is seated in the mm. most advantageous mm. place to be right where you want to be is you want to be the last guy on the bottom half of the, of the bracket so that you are going last, uh last overall because going second always gives you an, an advantage. And then by going third, this is very, very last. Uh, you get to see what everybody else has done. So all but, of this is set to up to do it. it. All of this is set up to get him to win. Uh, he enters the final round of the home run derby, having hit many fewer home runs <laughs> than, than his opponent, Kyle Schwarber from the Cubs. Uh, and then he is way behind pace to win. And with 90 seconds left, like the, the rule, the, the mm-hmm. key rate limiting step within the Home Run Derby is that you can't pitch the ball until the last ball has hit the ground, wherever it is, which puts guys who hit big moonshots at a advantage and guys who hit line drives at a, a relative advantage. All of a sudden, his dad starts throwing the ball at least two seconds before each ball has landed, and so all of a sudden, Harper is just teeing off. He's hitting literally; he has home runs landing before the previous balls have landed, and this is now. I it is unclear as to why this has happened. Uh, if you look at the Zapruder film, it looks like the umpire who is there to signal uh, the net that it's time for the next pitch to come out is is giving signals, and so. It may be that Major League Baseball itself was in on it, Charlie.
0: So this is not just wow. dad it, cheating. How deep You think, you how think deep there was a this vast go? conspiracy.
2: If you look on the grassy knoll back mm-hmm. in the batter's eye, Charlie, I believe that you can see the ghost of Bud Selig. And what he's doing is he is giving signals to the umpire to get... I mean, really, we don't know how, how deep this thing goes. The deep uh, What we the do deep know plate. is that this, deep. Deep this deep is... This is the probably the biggest major league sports conspiracy since the 1985 NBA draft, when David oh. Stern used the frozen envelope to ensure that New York got Patrick Ewing. So you do I know, want you're you,
0: sounding like Devin Nunes right now.
2: I want you to know that I am on the case
0: <laughs> and that I, I plan on. dropping down, right? Break I'm it down frame drop by frame. All of my
2: other responsibilities to the Weekly Standard, and I'm going to zero in on this Bryce Harper thing and. Uh, you know, look, Steve Steve Hayes is in Spain. What's he gonna do to stop me?
0: I, well, you know, <laughs> this, this whole this whole uh, you know Bud Bud Selig um, All Star thing. You know, this is I don't know whether you were really trying to troll me on this, because we're still a little bit traumatized about the uh, you know what happened at the end of the All Star game here in Milwaukee. Do you remember that? I remember that was the tie, right? they ran out of pitchers. Yeah. And and that and that famous picture of Bud Selig standing up there and shrugging like I'm just the commissioner, what can I do? We can't actually finish the game. And my my wife and son are at that game, of course, it's the only all-star game they've ever gone to. And it's like, what? You ran out of pi- what? You you're not going to finish the game because because you, you just you know, and and that's the image. That is the enduring image of of Bud Seelig going. What the hell? I don't. I don't that's his <laughs> legacy. That's the. That the, the I was say the legacy hitters. of Bud Seelig. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's 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 a dark moment.
1: Well, I'm looking uh, forward to the full last report on what really happened at the Home Run Derby. Um, I guess we can expect that in the next six to eight months. Okay, but 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 years. Michael, the next okay, six eight we, years. We, this we've can heard, take
0: time. We've heard from Jv, and we know what his position is about Washington sports fans you you were you were out there with, with with a beer pump in your fist though weren't you no I'm not a Washington fan at all <laughs> oh hey
1: what I can't it? stay I can't I'm an Atlanta fan I'm from Atlanta so uh it, it really I mean the whole the whole way that Washington I'm gonna we're gonna lose all of wow, our listeners from, from DC. Uh, well if, first of all everybody from Washington is from somewhere else don't forget right. that um and um and so it annoys me when like there's, there are people who are actual natives here who have lived here, um, and they're all Orioles fans because na- the Nationals came in, you know, uh, what 12 years, 13 years ago, uh, from Montreal, um, and nobody really cared that much. There were a few sort of real diehard Nationals fans, mm. um, but then everybody started jumping on the bandwagon when they, when they started winning the NL East, and um, you know, it just they're, they're, you know. Their tears give me life. That's all I'd say. The, the the Nationals fans' tears every time. I just thought it was perfect that the entire city lost it uh, because Bryce Harper won the meaningless Home Run Derby. Well, we'll, we'll just see how, how things happen in, uh, you know they, in October.
2: They, they, can, they can hang that banner up in Nationals Park the way over at Redskins Park. They have all of their preseason championship <laughs> banners hung up because— you know, like every single August, the Redskins are five and zero in the preseason. We're going to the Super Bowl, baby!
0: <laughs> it's great. It's great. I, I wish I could tell you the Packer fans didn't do the same thing, but I'm afraid they did.
1: Um, well, at least at okay, least the so
0: Packers well, have a have a history. Have they have a they have well? A that's history. that's that's true. The, the my 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 one my one parting comment. We talked about this uh, before we we went on the air here. Um, the you need to watch the video of uh, of Roseanne Barr. Uh, she's got her own YouTube channel, and she's you no know, off going off on, on on Valerie Jarrett. And and my contrary opinion this morning is, and I'm not a Roseanne fan. I never have been a Roseanne fan, but but I, I I actually now am sympathetic with her because this is a woman who is uh, deeply troubled, and I mean this in a very non snarky way. That uh, she's got real issues, and when you watch her. It's hard to think that this woman does not need professional help, and, and, and it really underlines the incredible cynicism and recklessness of ABC pushing her out, pushing her out on that stage, because this was always going to end badly. And how did they not know that?
1: It was a cash grab. That's all it was for for, for Disney and ABC. They just thought, "Hey, there's uh, an opening here. We can make some money and, and exploit." I think they have a sort of a, a dim view of Trump voters and, and Republicans. Um, hey, we can exploit this, uh, make some money, and uh, really just yeah. irresponsibly put a crazy woman uh, in, she, at the she, front of I mean, their. I'm
0: sorry, she is she is a crazy product. woman, and and by the way, I don't mean that isn't crazy. Crazy. I mean, yeah, she's she's insane. You, you, you watch her and there's something really wrong. And this is of course, is the video where, where she screams at the camera that she thought that Valerie Jarrett was white, you know, uses the B word drops an F bomb on all of this, but there's a, there's a run up to it where she's, she's, I, I yeah, you, you have, you have to see it. You, you, you this is do, a family and, podcast, Charlie. No, we. Can this is a, this is a family podcast. So you're just going to have to, and again, it's, it's not safe for work to ever play Roseanne, um, Roseanne, um, we we managed not to actually get into Janine Pirro's uh, appearance on The View. Um, I'm sure she'll be she'll she'll be back any di- time any time right. I I often wonder why people go on shows like that. How, how, what did how did she think it was going to end with her and um, Whoopi you know, Goldberg and and, and Whoopi? How, how how did she think that was going to play out? Sisterhood together? Uh, no.
1: Yeah, I I I think it's the it's, the the view is this weird kind of it's been around for all, a really long time, and I think uh, I think conservatives are kind of obsessed with it because. Um, actually, another crazy woman who was on TV, you know, Rosie O'Donnell was so sort of out there uh, and was on that show actually for a pretty brief time. But it sort of it, it became almost like guilty viewing uh, for for conservatives to be like, How, what crazy things are they going to spout on the view today? So,
0: yeah. Well, you know, here, here's a here's a commentary on America. Um, this podcast, everybody's going to remember our conversation about uh, Bryce Harper. Uh, Roseanne and, uh, and, and Whoopi, and no one's going to comment on, on, on our on our deep insight into uh, Russia Week. Did we talk about that? I, you know, it, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Have a fantastic weekend and thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back on Monday and we'll do this all over again.